Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Hey, like Roy Jones said, I said, y'all must have forgot. And I see you media people as well with your little clickbait headlines. But trust me, I have to make y'all remember why we the best. I saw some criticism. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean, why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to so those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and may go back to soccer. How good does it feel to be better? You know, I made history here tonight. I set another record. You know what I mean? I'm very proud of that accomplishment. The UFC, they can strip fires and give to the fires, make believe belts in order to replicate my champ champ status. But they can't give knockout victories across multiple weight divisions. WFAN and Radio.com. I'm on the West Coast side. Mike Tyson should have been here anyway. He's the baddest man on the planet, right? He should have been the one. He should have been the one over here. Uh, I'm over here on the rock, huh? <laughs> you guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side, so he could get it, too. He could get his ass whipped, too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely want to defend my 145 belt. And let's see, I'm going to talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm going to call you. We're going to have a talk. I love you, boy. Suki, you will is coming tomorrow. And she doesn't know what's coming. Don't blink tomorrow. Believe me, I put such a great job. Suki, you will is coming for you Here's your fight fan host, Pete Hoffman. The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Welcome aboard, everybody. Episode 2 is officially here. We have tonight on the podcast, Arthur Motes, former NFL linebacker with the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers, has a book out, and he will join me a little bit later. But before that, we will have Sean Patrick Flannery. He has a new movie out today, Born a Champion, with Dennis Quaid, Katrina Bowden. Uh, it's on. It's in select theaters, digital platforms, Blu-ray, uh, and DVD will be January 26th, but currently on demand right now. Uh, check it out. Born a Champion. He's going to join me in a few minutes to talk about the film and how he himself got into jiu-jitsu. 
He's been acting for quite some time, but he's also big into jiu-jitsu. Uh, he trains. He's been training with some of the, the best ever. Uh, he, he'll get into it, and it, it's uh, fascinating. Um, but Born a Champion coming out today, so go check it out. But big night tomorrow night, UFC 257, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. After both Sean Patrick Flannery and Arthur Motes, I will get into and break down who I think is going to win and why. I'll break that down for you a little bit later. Some news for UFC 257, if you haven't heard. There was a crazy story about Atman Azatar, who has now been cut from the UFC after he missed weight and then he somehow he brought in or gave his wristband to uh, someone and they snuck onto into the bubble and tried to enter uh, their hotel room or whatever it was. It was all on camera. They brought in a bag. They don't even know what's in the bag or they at least have not released what was in the bag. And he has now not only been removed from the fight, but he's been cut from the UFC. So serious, serious uh, implications over there and violations. And they uh, they decided rather than suspend him or whatever, just completely cut him from the promotion, which is interesting. But now Matt Favola, who was supposed to fight Aubin, he is going to fight Armin Serkian, who also missed weight and will forfeit 20% of the purse. But at least they figured out a fight for him. Serkian's original opponent had to drop out due to complications as well from an, an illness. So that at least they were able to put that fight together. So that's the news. Uh, everyone else, though, weighed in. Uh, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier both look ripped. If you saw the, the weigh-ins, if you saw the, the face-offs, they look ripped. They look ready to go. It's going to be an exciting fight, and we will talk about that again later on uh, in the show. Again, we talked about Khabib. Doesn't look like he's going to be fighting. Anytime soon, doesn't look like he really has interest in fighting. His cousin, however, though, fought on Wednesday and performed pretty freaking good. And just the, it runs in the blood. The wrestling skills run in the blood. Uh, dominating performance. It was pretty exciting. And we saw Khabib back in the cage, not fighting, but but coaching. So that could be a new thing. That that might be the new thing for Khabib. We might not see him back in the cage except as a coach. Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. That is now official. That was actually official on Saturday night. Uh, Dana confirmed it. But it is now official. Those two will be stepping in the cage again for the heavyweight title fight, uh, which will be fun. That Francis Ngannou, the last time they fought, it was a different type of Francis Ngannou. He was not trained. He was not equipped for the ground game the, the way that he is now. Maybe he's, his defense is is a little bit better. And he just has more confidence in himself. If you saw after that Stipe fight, the Derek Lewis fight was brutal. Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis, where they basically didn't strike each other. They didn't even make an attempt. It was just a bad fight. And he seemed like he was shell-shocked, and he just was out of his element. And now he's come back, and he's knocked out Curtis Blades. He knocked out Rosenstrike. And he is just looking Phenomenal, and he's dying for a fight, and he got it. He gets, he's getting the rematch of Stipe Miocic, and that should be, uh, that should be a good fight. All right, let's get to it. We got two guests on the show. Arthur Motes will be on a little bit later, but first, joining us right now, you know him from movies such as Suicide Kings, The Boondock Saints, Powder. He's got a new movie out, which he wrote and starred in. Born a Champion. It's Sean Patrick Flannery. Sean, how are you doing? Thanks for for joining the show. 
Man, I could not be better. And thanks for having me, brother. Dude, listen, explain to me this at nine years old, how in a, in a you know, as a kid, baseball, football, basketball is a big thing. How does a nine-year-old find himself into rolling in jiu-jitsu? Uh, every, everything that I've ever done in my life is probably because of a girl. Uh, <laughs> you, you could actually take the probably and set that on fire because hundred uh, percent, I, I, I saw Elvis Presley doing suspicious minds on stage and he, and he had like a, you know, the, the jumpsuit on and he was throwing kicks and he was doing a, 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 a kata. And I asked my dad, who was a Golden Gloves boxer, I said, Dad, oh, my God, this Elvis, does he know karate? And my dad said, yeah, you know, I think he trains with the old man, Ed Parker. And ever since then, I wanted to train karate. So, lo and behold, I saw a beautiful girl uh, at the time. I was nine years old. And she was wearing these big, baggy white pants. And she had another white thing in the basket of her bicycle. But she was pushing the bike because it had a flat tire. And I saw her go by me a few times. And I followed her one day. And she went to an academy. And that was my first introduction into martial arts. Now, I didn't find jujitsu until quite a while later, uh, albeit more than 20 years ago now to this day. But uh, how did I get into martial arts? From Elvis, and then I followed a girl. Every decision in my life pretty much has been, uh, the story can start with, I followed a girl. And that's no different. I mean, I, I, I don't blame you. I, I understand that. I'm, I'm on your page with following a girl everywhere we go, my friend. But that's awesome. because <laughs> I, I, I love that because... You know, martial arts is not just um, it's not just a, a sport. It's a mentality, I feel like. And it, I feel like it's ta- it's taught you. I, I try to teach my kids. I want my kids to learn about it, too, because I feel like it guides you through life. There's so many disciplines about it that, that helps you. And did that help you in your acting life as well? Oh, without question. I mean, the work ethic you get from operating daily in a meritocracy like a martial arts mat where you either earn it or you do not. I mean, there, there is not a stronger work ethic than, than that. Uh, you only get out what you put in. And the, the martial arts mat is a, you know, it's, it's a lie detector. You, there's nowhere to hide on a martial arts mat. Uh, somebody is going to find you. Every lie that you've tried to hide is going to be exposed, and every truth that you've professed is going to be profoundly expressed on a martial arts mat. I mean, it teaches you discipline, integrity. Uh, confidence, uh, character. I can't say enough about a martial arts program. In my opinion, uh, self-defense and, and a martial arts should almost be required for kids, just like reading to write, learning to read, learning to write, learning how to do math. I mean, learning how to defend yourself if anything goes sideways, I think it's a life skill, you know, and I'm a firm believer in that. I, I, I know firsthand what it did for my life. And those those tools and skills and qualities are are priceless, in my opinion. You've acted with some amazing in in some amazing movies with some amazing cast members. Has there been anyone else that you've been able to share the mat with that that you've been able to to bring over? To I mean, listen, I've actually I know that answer because you've worked with guys like Bass Rutan. Have you trained with guys like Bass Rutan? Bas Rutan? Have you been able to to uh, experience to learn some things from them? Yeah, of course, man. It's like, you know, coming up in this world, it's such a tiny community. Um, I mean, I've trained with, you know, a, a ton of Gracies. I've trained with fighters that go back as far as, my God, you know, Frank Trigg and Rodrigo Gracie and 
uh, Uriah Faber. And, you know, I, I mean, the list goes on. It's like when you exist in that world, it's inevitable that you're going to cross paths. Train with Max Holloway, Jeff Curran. You know, it's, uh, it's inevitable. If, if you do this every day, there's no way you're going to dodge some, you're, 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 you're some pros that are going to cross your path. And, you know, it's, it is a brethren. It's like a, a, a secret brotherhood. There is no secret handshake. It's just take your shoes off, get on a mat, clap hands, and go. Now, I've actually sp- spoken to quite a few people, a lot, quite a few athletes that, that train MMA on the side, and everyone is interconnected. It is, it's very impressive. It's amazing because, it, you're right, it's a small, small world. Now, this, this movie, Born a Champion, um, you had the opportunity to work with your kids. How was that? Man, I got to tell you, it's, uh, you know, I wrote this story in my bed in 2007. And I originally wrote uh, the lead character's son a certain age. When it came time to uh, when we realized production was going to happen, finally, finally got it funded. Uh, I rewrote the script so that there was a time jump so that he exists in two different ages because I had two boys. Man. And uh, so now both of my boys are in it. They're both jujitsu addicts. They, 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 they won't even be able to tell you when they started jujitsu. They'll just know their whole life they've known jujitsu. Uh, so it, it was a pleasure among pleasures to have both of my sons make their acting debut and their acting retirement in one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, they, they've retired. They, they're going to be very busy being kids. So it was a wonderful opportunity, man. That's awesome. Well, you know, it's funny because we – Take it from someone like yourself. You've been through it all. You've been, you've acted for a long time. You've had that experience, you know, on, on, from like my, my friends and family, we have young kids. Oh, they'd be great to be actors and stuff like that, but it's gotta be a different world. And, and, and I don't know if you want in a world like today, and I'm sure your kids can handle it, but do you want, do they want that pressure? Do they want to be in front of the camera? Do you, do you want them as a father to be in front of the camera like that? No, they're kids. They got plenty of time to be kids. You know, you'll find all kind of people that are like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, child labor laws. In some countries, they work kids when they're eight. At the same time, they have their kid on a set out of the country on a movie set. Somehow that's okay, but, you know, folding clothes is not okay. I don't get it. It's, uh, you know what I mean? It's like the hypocrisy is just mind-numbing. Um, no, they were on with me every day, me and my wife, the whole family was up there and it was an opportunity for us to play on camera, very limited scenes, but no, that's, uh, the, the, the film set is, uh, it's no place for a kid. Um, and, and I say that wanting, wanting to see plenty of films with kids in them because they, they, they have to play the roles, but on a selective basis, if you choose that as a career and you're simply going to jump from film to film, you know, that, that's, I, 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 don't, I don't want that uh, in any, any, any kid's youth. But uh, on, a, on a case-by-case basis, if there's 24-hour hand-holding and supervision and you choose the project, yeah, just like, uh, you know, my kid helps me with chores. So I put him to work around the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's no way he's going to experience the cutthroat uh, spider web that is Hollywood. No, 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 no. Well, you've experienced it all. And, I, you know, you talk about some of the cast that you've been in with, um, you know, name, name the list. Christopher Walken. We talk about uh, yeah, Dennis Quaid on this, fi- on this film. Again, ba- I'll talk about ba- Boss Rutan. Talk about uh, William Defoe, which by far – you know, out of all, all of these actors that you've been able to share the screen with, who is by far the craziest character that you've met on and off screen? 
Well, definitely on screen, it would be Christopher Walken. Now, here, here's an interesting take on Christopher Walken. He is the farthest extreme on camera. He could not be the more, most more normal off camera. I mean, if you transcribe what Christopher Walken is saying, he, he's, he, he couldn't be more normal. It's just the way that he says it is bizarre. <laughs> a, a wonderful, crazy character. I mean, you're like, who speaks like that? What, what, what would possess you to put a pause in the sentence right there? It's just crazy. But he is such a normal, wonderful human being. I'll tell you, the, the person that I worked with that had the biggest impact on me was Roddy McDowell. Two, two uh, people from a different era. Roddy McDowell and Anne Margaret. Wow. Anne Margaret. I had two lines in a movie. I was my first filmed job ever. Got me my SAG card. I had two lines. And I, 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 I introduced myself and just told her, I said, I loved you in Viva Las Vegas. And she said, sit down. And she asked me to sit down next to her on the set. And it was one of those director's chairs that had somebody's name on the back. I'm like, I, I, I think there's somebody. She's like, sit down. I sat down next to her. And she told me stories of Elvis. I, 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 I was blown away. I mean, I'd heard so many stories of, especially old Hollywood, that had these huge egos. And, you know, she could not have been more welcoming. That, and then I did The Grass Harp with Roddy McDowell. And I had auditioned and, and tried my best to get this role called Powder. And uh, they, they finally selected me and offered me the job. And I was doing The Grass Harp at the time. And he and I would go to the Cracker Barrel every night. And I said, Roddy, I want you to read this script that, uh, you know, I auditioned and I really, really wanted it a lot. Um, but now, now that it's coming down to it, give me your take on it. And, I, and he read it that night. And we had a two-hour conversation the next night at Cracker Barrel. And he's like, Sean, you have to do this. You have to do this movie. And I, I knew I already wanted to do it. I was a little reluctant because, uh, you know, I had to shave my whole body and everything. And Roddy McDowell could not have had a bigger impact on me. He and Anne Margaret, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And they come from the era when you're supposed to think everybody was, you know, excuse me, my darling, pass me my And And, I I mean, they blew me away. They blew me away. Uh, Listen, my wife has made me sit down and watch – Oh, geez, I can't remember the name of the show, but uh, the show about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, and she made me rewatch the uh, Mommy Dearest no and all these. Wire hangers. Yeah, exactly, dude. And I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. but it's phenomenal because that the the behind the scenes, that's what it's about, and you just get that image of these these actresses. You think everyone's kind of like that, so it's cool to see the other end of it for sure. Let me ask you, Sean Patrick Flannery. We have you know again with Born a Champion. You had the opportunity, you know, legend Dennis Quaid himself, but also a legend in the MMA world, Edson Barboza. How was it working, and Hansel Gracie, how was it working with them on camera? Man, let me tell you this. Uh, I, I, I put out a call to some people. Edson Barboza, he said, absolutely, flew out and joined me. Hanzo Gracie, one phone call. Yep, when do you need me? Came out. Mickey Gall, yep, show up whenever you need me. And it was, it was an honor and a privilege that guys like that answered my call and, and, and graced me with their presence. Let me tell you another thing. In order to have a fight with, you know, a pretty, pretty intricate fight with uh, both Mickey Gall and Edson Barbosa, you know, obviously with Mickey, you know, high-level jiu-jitsu guy, uh, a high-level MMA guy across the board, but jiu-jitsu as well. Same thing with Edson, uh, jiu-jitsu and striking. W- whenever you have to do something, 
that's that precise with the choreography. And I, I choreographed this. Uh, uh, I was the fight coordinator. Uh, we all did our own stunts. Whenever you have to ask to be something to be done exactly the same way, throwing like a flying knee about a, a millimeter away from my orbital rim, you know, you, 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 you hire a guy named Edson Barbosa. That guy threw so many flying knees that my head never once touched me. He also turned his hips, sat down on low kicks right on my knee, never once injured me. You know, we just wow. checked everything. It's like, that's who you hire if you don't want to get injured. You hire a guy that could probably remove my leg with a single kick if he wanted to. Did you, did you, did such you, a sniper. Yeah, did you watch his knockouts? I mean, you've seen him knock people out in the cage, and you're sitting there going like, all right, now now attempt this and don't hit me, please? Yeah, bro, of course, man. That's why I cast him. Uh, I mean, I, that's, he, was the first, he was my first choice. I said, this dude is so scary looking. And I sent him an, an Instagram message. That's how it happened. And uh, he didn't respond. So I noticed that he tagged his wife in a couple of Instagram posts. I sent his wife a message. I said, try to get a hold of your husband. I want to put him in a movie. I'd be honored. She got. She put him in contact with me. Next thing you know, he's on set. So yes, he did the choreo. And, and when you hire people that are that perfect, like Mickey Gall, uh, Edson, you know the way you rehearse is verbally. You say, "I'm going to do this. You're going to counter with that. Then I'm going to take it down with this. You're going to stuff it with this. You're going to counter. You're going to." And, and then you just do it. And the, because you hire people that have done these things two thousand times a day for the last thirty years. So then when you ask them to do it on cue, boom. They park it over the center field fence. Nobody gets injured, and you're going out for sweet steaks that night. <laughs> well, listen, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm planning on seeing it tomorrow before UFC 257. I have time. I'm going to get it on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's out on digital. T- today it's out on digital, but you can also get it on Blu-ray and DVD on January 26th. Born a champion. Um, UFC 257 is tomorrow, my friend. Now, I, I, I'm not sure if you're a big Dustin Poirier f- uh, fan or if you're a Conor McGregor fan. Do you, if you if you if you even choose either of them, you know, do you, you're a bi- are you a big UFC fan? Do you watch all the fights? Come on, of course, man. There's no <laughs> way you spend your whole life in mar- martial arts and not. And I'll tell you, who do you think I'm a fan of? My name is Sean Patrick Flannery. Take a wild guess. Uh, I guess you're a Connor fan. I guess that's the way you're going to swing. Uh, but, but hold on, hold on, back up. Now, here's another one. I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, well, then, then you got to be a Poirier fan. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, brother. So, so, hey, you're pitting two guys that I'm a big fan of. So, you want my take on this? I'm going to lay it Yo, give it to now, us. Come on, let's go. Take. This is a couch take. I've never trained with either one of these guys. But... Me throwing it at you from the couch, I would have to say Connor wins nine out of ten of these matchups. Number one, I think their ground game is probably going to negate each other. As a matter of fact, this may go against popular opinion, but I would probably put Connor's ground game slightly ahead of Dustin's. However, on the feet, I think Connor's got a striking advantage that will be well out of reach of Dustin. I think that uh, intercontinental ballistic missile of left hand is going to get ground approval, and I think it's going to find a landing strip. Wow. I, now, but to follow up with that, because Connor has had the little bit of a layoff here and there, so I, I, I'm curious to see, do you think that, because D- Connor clearly wants to finish the fight early. If you've watched all his fights, the best fights he's been in, he's finished in the first round or two. So he wants to get Dustin out of the way, but Dustin has been in these wars lately, and he's been able to, you talk about Connor's left left hook, well, he's also been in the cage with guys like uh, Justin Justin uh, Justin Gaethje, who is a monster and a beast, and he throws hammers. 
He could survive a punch these days. He's been he Dustin has been at a different level since his knockout loss to to Conor McGregor. So do you you said nine out of ten? Do you think there's a possibility that the one is this weekend? Well, let me tell you something. There's always a possibility. It's a fight. Anytime somebody says I guarantee in a fight, they they have no idea what they're talking about. It is a fight. I would say nine out of ten, Connor wins. You know, you said uh, you 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 alluded to ring rust. He's been out of the ring. Let me tell you, I think one of Connor's biggest, strongest, m- most most profound assets is that he is unflappable in the public eye. You know, a lot of guys have a huge adrenaline dump and an emotional spike when they walk onto that grandiose stage. Not Connor. That is his back room. It is his bedroom. That is where he plays with red panties. And I would have to give it to Connor nine out of ten of those times. Uh, okay, so really quick, who is your, if possible, if you can give it to me, if you could, if you could think of it, who is the best ever? Who is the current best, and who is someone that you think has a really good opportunity to to crack the rankings in the near future in UFC? Um, I got to tell you, the best pound for pound is probably two people: Mighty Mouse and GSP. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think too many people would argue with that. Mighty Mouse, you know, a lot of people didn't watch him. But, man, that dude is the most well-rounded cat you'll find. He and GSP, they are the first two. They were the first in a generation that were really elite in every area of the fight game. Um, uh, as far as the future, man, the future, the future looks bright for a number of prospects. Um, you know, I think everybody has a hole in their game. Um, Khabib, I think, has a huge hole, hole striking. I mean, he's very good on the ground if he takes it there. But I would love to see Khabib against an elite ground guy. You know, it's just like it's just like Anderson Silva, elite striker, but had a huge hole in his game on the ground. Um, It's it's the well-rounded guys that you realize no matter where it goes, this person is in the fight. And that's Mighty Mouse and GSP. You know, it's it's funny because the one fight that we didn't get as as UFC fans, the Tony Ferguson, Khabib Nurmagomedov fight, that was the one we were done. Five times they scheduled. They, we should have known the pandemic was coming when, the, for the fifth time, Dana White scheduled Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. We should have known that 2020 was going to be a rough year. It's I If Khabib came back for one more fight, I'd say I'd be okay with even Even though Tony struggled recently, I'd be okay with seeing that because I want to see, you talk about an elite jiu-jitsu Practitioner on the ground, how he'd go up against Tony Ferguson, Khabib Nurmagomedov. That is, uh, Khabib would destroy Tony Ferguson. Really, you uh, think in my so? opinion, abs- absolutely. I don't think uh, Tony Ferguson has the type of jujitsu uh, to negate a Khabib Nurmagomedov at all. I-, I think you need an old school fundamental posture, base, heavy pressure, and something other than a tricky bottom game. You have to distance manage against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Exactly. I don't think Tony has a distance managing bottom game. That is that is my opinion, and I owe you my honest opinion, regardless of whose feelings it hurts. <laughs> I think Tony gets beat 9.8 times out of 10 against Khabib. Who 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 could beat Khabib then? Who on the ground, jiu-jitsu-wise, could actually put up a good fight against Khabib? Do you have somebody? Uh, I mean, uh, obviously... Um, 
Brian Ortega. I'd like to see that. Mm. Uh, I'd like to see. I'd like to see an in shape uh, Nate Diaz. Um, you know, guys like that. I, I, I'd like to see old old school distance management fighting jujitsu uh, against Khabib. And I I think that could be a chink in Khabib's arm, armor. I don't think it's going to be a Tony Ferguson. Uh, we're being joined by Sean Patrick Flannery. Damian to- Maya. Well, oh, Damian oh, Maya, yeah. One. Well, that you know what? Not for nothing though. But I, I've seen Damian Maya fight guys, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a, a fantastic. When he fought Colby Covington, I'm like, this is going to be a fantastic wrestler versus jujitsu fighter. And then they stood for three rounds, and I couldn't figure that out. But again, you said they can't, a lot of times they cancel each other out because they're just so good on the ground that they just decide to stand for for three rounds and and, and swing because that makes most sense. Because on the ground, it's going to be too tough. It's it's a very it's a very uh, that's why I love MMA. You just never know what you're going to get. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, I know you're going to have to run real quick, but you did tell me you trained with Max Holloway. You saw his fight on uh, last Saturday. How dominant yeah. of a performance was that? Did he look incredible? Man, Max Holloway is a stud. Top to bottom stud. Um, I-, I will forever be a fan of his. And the future, the future looks bright for him. That is a guy that I will never count out. That is a guy that comes probably, Hart is his biggest weapon. That guy is unflappable. You will never defeat him outside of removing him from his faculties. Because as long as that guy has one molecule of presence, he is coming for you, man. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Max Holloway. He's such a good kid, man. He really is. And he's, good. he's still a kid. He's 29 years old. It's amazing. Listen, Sean Patrick Flannery, thank you so much for the time. Born a champion out right now. Intellect Theaters on digital. Also, Blu-ray, DVD, January 26th. Where else can we find you? What else can we follow? What else do you want to promote, Sean? You know what? I'm, I'm currently I'm up here in uh, Toronto, Canada. I'm in uh, quarantine right now for two weeks because I'm going to be filming a TV show. I can't tell you the name of it until they announce it, but I will tell you it is on Amazon Prime and it involves superheroes. So uh, ah. that night, give it away to say, ah, yes. Yeah, I'm so not I'm saying anything. I'm not saying anything, but I, yeah, I'm saying all something. Right, don't say it, brother. Don't say it. <laughs> um, you can follow me on. You can follow me on all the requisite social media. I answer all my own. Instagram is SP Flannery and Facebook Sean Patrick Flannery. Otherwise, you could see me on the map. If you're in Houston, come and check me out. Drop in. Uh, let's roll, let's clap hands, and let's go uh, at Houston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, that's my life, and I hope Jiu-Jitsu to be ultimately my legacy, something I can leave behind for uh, for my kids. Sean, you were awesome. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. And I would love to do this again sometime, just whenever you want, whenever you want to promote something or or just shoot, shoot the breeze about MMA, man. Love to have you on, dude. God bless you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. Thanks again to Sean Patrick Flannery. That was awesome. Uh, just to hear the stories about working with uh, Edson Barbosa, training with Max Holloway, that's sick, and that's phenomenal. And, you know, listen, I, I respect his take on a guy like Conor McGregor and what he could do in the cage and how he can beat Dustin Poirier. And that's why, um, that's why Conor's the favorite going into this fight. But next, let's bring in Arthur Motes, who is a big MMA fan, and we will talk about not just MMA. We're going to get some football, too, but let's break it down a little bit. So let's welcome in nine-year NFL vet, played with the Buffalo Bills, played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
Arthur Motes joins us right now. Arthur, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us, man. Man, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be up here with you, man, because you know this, man. We talking combat, MMA. Let's go. Oh, man, come on. That gets that, that get the blood flowing for me, man. That, that's my passion right there. So, Arthur, let me ask you a question because this is what I, I tend to do. I, I try to figure out and pick your brain. How long of an MMA fan have you been? Like, what were, are you the new wave? Are you old school? Man, Where Chuck did you jump Liddell. in? I, I started out with Chuck Liddell, the Iceman, seeing him with the Mohawk, like, for me, I remember was it uh was it Cage Warriors and things like that. Like that was my first introduction to MMA and then from there, man, it just continued to grow. Then me having a wrestling background in high school, you started to see just the the carryover between wrestlers and the guys that transitioned from wrestling to UFC cage fighting and stuff like that. So for me, man, it was always just a natural just affection right there and just a, a interest. And now, I mean, you look at how it's grown over the past ten to twenty years, I mean MMA has blown up. It is a global thing now, and I'm loving it. You know, you you talk about how you were a wrestler growing up, and in the NFL, I've noticed a lot of yeah. players, a lot, <laughs> a lot of their so MMA training. That's the background now. Like that, that's part of it is to to train in MMA. I mean, we've seen the Browns, a whole a whole oh, team yeah. do it. So explain to me how that's that that is helpful to to the NFL players MMA. Man, it's huge because, first off, it helps you understand your body. It's certain things when you're talking about combat, you know, hand-to-hand fighting, submissions, wrestling, and things like that, that your body just, okay, I have to work on firing these these different muscles over here, this small muscle group compared to football, where it's usually your bigger muscle groups, right, your quads and hamstrings. So that was the first part of it. But then also, when we get real specific, when you're talking about wrestling, well, the thing that I loved about that is the hand-to-hand combat and learning leverage. It teaches you how the lower man wins. It teaches you how to use a person's body weight and strength against them. And when you come down and you start playing football, it's like, oh, this is the exact same thing. Except, okay, instead of us being on a mat, we're on a grass. Uh, we're on grass now, but it's very similar in terms of the carryover. And then when you go into the boxing and things like that, that's more of your footwork. You got to have good footwork. Crossing over in any sport is going to be bad for you. So you could just see the parallels between the two. So that, that's why for me, man, I even once I got to the league, I continued to incorporate that style of training with my regular football conditioning and stuff. So you're a big MMA fan. You watch all the fights. I, I'm assuming you watch every fight. But, you know, listen, Absolutely. there's so there's only so much time we can give. Trust me. I, my wife is like, why are you watching this still? Yes. We had fights on Wednesday, and I literally watched 9 a.m. To, it's unbelievable. No but, question. My wife looked at me the same way. It's 9 in the morning. She's like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? It's Wednesday. Is this a rerun? I said, no, this is live right now. Why is it so early? I don't worry about all that. We watching it though. <laughs> you don't you don't know the details. You don't need to know the details. Just just sure. watch it and enjoy. But on Saturday, this past Saturday, first ever ABC uh, UFC hey. card, phenomenal. I mean, you talk about Dana White struck gold. The the, the 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 three Listen. the three knockouts <laughs> back to back to back, followed by a nice a, a nice match between Matt Brown and Carlos Condit, uh-huh. and then an epic fight. Was that the best performance we've ever seen in Max Holloway? Man, no question. And the thing that was surprising was, remember, Max had been on a little bit of a downspin, man. He had got beat twice. And you're looking at him, you're like, okay, can he get back to the Max Holloway that we've known? The Max Holloway who has dominated that division for so long. And literally from the start of it, usually Max is a little bit slower at the start. He was aggressive from the beginning. I mean, you look at the strikes, and the thing that I really loved and I laughed about to myself was, 
we're accustomed to, like true MMA fans, you're accustomed to how gory it can get in some of these fights. When some of these elbows land, guys start to get cut open. I said, but most of the time, these fights are happening on pay-per-view, ESPN, not ABC. I know. You know, the family-friendly network. I said, man, they're seeing this at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, woo, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, y'all want to see MMA? Here you go. This is what it looks like. But I love Max's performance. Not only did you get very skilled, high-level skilled striking between his punching, obviously the elbows that were cutting um, um, Cater up, but the thing that I also love was the showmanship at the end. The Ali head move, look away. I said, woo, he is feeling it right now, man. It's certain guys, when they get in a zone like that, they just can't be touched. And he was in that zone, man. Yeah, when he was talking to the analyst and looking over and dodged those yes. those bullets that Cater was throwing, that was clearly that was incredible. That was by far one of the craziest things I've seen in quite some time. You talk about a show. That's what you're looking for. That's what Dana's always looking for, and he found it, and that was that was perfect. What I do want to know is though, there was a moment where they could have stopped that fight in the fourth round. Yeah, and and Max was just hitting the body, hitting the, and yeah, every torso, every part him. of him. He was punishing him, that, and, and that was when he hit him with the elbows back to back. The elbow, I mean, you see when he hit him in the forehead, it just splits him open. We're like, oh man, they got to get ready to but, stop it, right? But Cater, but Cater just started throwing blind shots, and Max had to step away. That that prevented. Cater and I was a game fighter, man. He he was very game, and, and you talk about stylistically. Those two guys, I mean, that's the perfect storm right there. You got a very game fighter in Calvin Cater who you know isn't going to quit. It was numerous times if his heart was in question that he could have easily, you know, waved the white flag and nobody would have blamed him. But he was very much game. But then you get Max, who was just in his blessed one bag right there, man, (laughs) giving him straight bombs all the way from Hawaii. I mean, you're seeing, you're just like, this is nuts. How much more can this guy take? How much more does Max have left? But then the whole just allure of what if Cater catches him? Because remember when he started throwing blindly, he almost caught Max. I like, know. Hey, Max had to back up. So it was still so intriguing, so interesting of a, of a performance that, man, I, I just thought everybody won from that standpoint right there. Well, th- and this is, a, this is the thing that we always talk about in MMA. I, I, I pick every single fight. So, like, I'm, like, pretty much laying at 500 because – you think some of these obvious fights where it's like, this is a no-brainer fight, and somehow... That's the beauty of combat sports right there, man. <laughs> yeah. In a blink of an eye, an underdog, a person who's getting dominated can just shock the world. Well, speak of underdog, so this weekend, this Saturday, UFC 257, Ooh. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 2. I just got a text from my buddy, uh, my buddy Jan Gomes, uh, over with the Washington Nationals, just texted me, three, minus 340 for Conor McGregor, Plus two seventy for Poirier. What? Ooh. That no one is giving Dustin Poirier any credit whatsoever. Ooh. That is incredible to me. That that yeah, hearing those odds, that's that's nuts. Because this is the thing. Stylistically, this is the perfect opponent for Connor, a guy who's going to stand up, try to throw with him, and we know Connor. That's what he thrives at. But Connor struggles on the ground. That's been his Achilles' heel, you know, throughout his career. Dustin's not really the type of guy that's going to challenge him down there like that. So just thinking of that and knowing how the fight went the first go around, you're just thinking to yourself, man, why is this any different? But to me, the reason why I think it's a lot closer than that is because Dustin, man, he's a way better fighter now. You look at his past three fights, man, he has been in some wars. He's been in some battles. And obviously he's won some, but he obviously had the one that he dropped the, uh, the Khabib. But 
as a whole, man, Dustin is a way better fighter. I think he's a smarter fighter now, and I just think he's just physically just bigger now. So that's why for me, I'm like, I, I still have Connor getting it done because obviously who's not a Connor fan, but I just think that Dustin's going to definitely make it a little bit interesting. Here's the thing about Connor, what I've noticed. If most of his fights, he wants them finished early. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. have, he doesn't want to go five round war. Like he went no, through with Nate uh-huh. De- Diaz part of the second <laughs> fight, but he didn't want that. Con- no, not at all. So he wants to finish quickly. I don't think he can get it done again. I don't think, I don't think Dustin will allow him to finish this fight quick. I really think Poirier's stand up is that much more improved. And you think about it, who he's fought since getting knocked out to Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. He's beaten Justin Gaethje, who is by yeah. far one of the, one of the craziest Gaethje, fighters. We we all know Gaethje, man. That that's the guy that you don't stand up against. No, Gaethje knocks heads clean off shoulders, and he knocked out Gaethje. <laughs> he knocked him out. But Crazy, right? but the one thing I will say is Dustin Poirier. I had him on just before he fought Michael Johnson, and he got knocked out by Mike to Michael Johnson too. But just before he he Michael fought Michael Johnson, underrated guy. Think about Michael Johnson. He almost caught Khabib the same way. Oh, I know. Oh, but but. There's a few people that have caught Khabib, but he's able to withstand it and then bring him to the ground and then just that end the fight. He he's the one thing about Khabib, which we've I've heard from a lot of people that they think that Khabib is boring, and I I don't see that at all. He's boring, no. No. To to me, I look at Khabib the same way as how I look at Floyd Mayweather. They've figured out the art of I can beat you doing this. I'm not going to take any damage, and I don't have to take a lot of risk with this. Both of those guys are very strategic, but they're so dominant at what they do. Wrestling isn't boring. Wrestling's boring when the guy that you're slamming down there can't get up. That's when it looks boring. No different than if you're talking about striking. It's not striking if the guy can hit back, but if this guy can't defend himself, then yeah, it can get a little boring that way. We- but to me, man, I-, I think that he's just, he's so dominant, man, but it's just a different style of dominance, something that most people aren't accustomed to. And give me give me a fight that Khabib was in, uh, any fighter, because he's he's faced a lot of different stylistic opponents. You know, I mean, listen, I think the, the best fight or, or the, the, the first challenge that I've only seen him have was when he fought Al Alaquinta. I thought that I was know. the only guy that really challenged him, and it was on short notice. But at the same time, I do think that Khabib fought that style a little bit different. I thought that he was trying to prove something compared to him just going out and doing what he normally does, which is taking a guy to the ground and then just mauling him for, for you know, five periods. Well, like, not, me, I thought that was the difference right there. Not, not for nothing, though, but Al is a really good wrestler. And I'm not saying that he didn't try, Khabib didn't try to do a different thing and try to do more stand-up. It was more comfortable to stand-up because he knows Al's not going to knock him out. But mm-hmm. Al is a great wrestler, and he was impressively finding his way out of these takedown attempts. Khabib's not used to that. But And I will say that was impressive because typically we hear about guys who have great wrestling backgrounds, great wrestling this, great wrestling that. We heard about Justin Gaethje and his wrestling. Right. And then they get in there with Khabib, and it's like, oh, it looks like this guy's never wrestled a day in his life. Like, it's just different when you're in there with him, man. He, he is a legit animal <laughs> when it comes to that. Man. When and, and, again, like a guy like I, – I was worried about him with Edson Barboza. Not saying that I was worried about him taking it to the ground, but I'm like, how is he going to be able to get in close enough – to get past those kicks. Edson Barbosa's yeah. had these ridiculous knockout kicks, and he walked right through Edson Barbosa, took him down, and just called it a day. It was incredible. But, but see, you know the fight that I, that I still want to see happen that I don't think we're going to get? I need Khabib versus El Kukui. You know that, right? Oh, my Come God. Come on, baby. Come on now. Because what he could do off his back on the ground makes it that much more of an intriguing matchup. 
Because we know that's what Khabib specializes in is applying pressure, getting on the ground, keeping him on the ground. I just, I, I, I want to see. It. I feel like we as fight fans deserve that fight, man. I mean, you talk about the 2020 pandemic. As soon as they <laughs> sign that fight, I'm like, this is, this is not going to be a good year for us. I, I just yeah. felt it in my blood. They cannot, no matter what. Like even if, if that was the How fight, how many times has five, that fight been scheduled? Five. Think it's been five that. times. And that's <laughs> if if you told me tomorrow that Khabib would come back for one fight and one fight only, and it was Tony Ferguson. I'd say I'm on board. I would do that in a heartbeat. No even though, even though his last fight versus Oliveira was not very good, and, and Tony's looked a little bit off lately, but I would still sign up for that because I want to see what Khabib would do versus Tony Ferguson. I think that would be incredible. Absolutely. And that's you know we talk about this. This is another thing. Like Michael Chiesa just fought on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. He called out Colby Covington. These type of fights we see wrestlers typically when they go head to head. They don't take it to the ground. They stand. They, right. Yes. Yes. That was the Kamaru Usman fight, and that's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay if Colby and Michael Chiesa went at it. I'd be okay with that because I think it would be a banger. I think it'd be fun. No question. And and those are the type of fights we talk about stylistically. It's just like that is exciting. It's almost like a fail proof. Like you know what you're getting when those two guys get in that cage as well, man. No question. Uh, my goodness, Arthur Moats, you're just killing it right there, dude. I I love this man. I love to know that other people are just as sick over you or over over MMA as I am right now. Like, cause I'm just I'm all for it, dude. And the other reason why I love MMA, I said with football, we got what X amount of games, and then it's a long off season. Mm-hmm. Basketball, same thing, off season. UFC, MMA, boxing, it's year round. I don't have to worry about going four or five months without seeing a fight. Oh, I mean, dude. We were getting fights during the pandemic. We we got the week. We had a we had a month, of, dude. So I so I work at at WFAN in New York, right? Uh-huh. We're for 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 months. We're sitting over here trying to figure out what to, to talk about programming wise. Like there's there's no trades, there's no transactions, there's no games. We're making up stories. We're we're coming up with like the best of this, best of that. Yeah. Play old, playing old school games, and I'm sitting every week going, I got my fights, man. It's all good. Anybody want to talk fights? I'm here, man. This is great. Right. You know, so it, you're I'm like the fight game is always around, man. <laughs> I know. Now, the one thing that bothers me these days and, and it, it still pisses me off. And listen, you and I know that that MMA is the way it's going to be right now. Like, obviously, the heavyweights in boxing are still the, the lead dogs in the combat sports world. And you still got the, the triple G's and, and the yeah. Canelo Alvarez and whatnot. The, 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 the new wave, your Errol Spencer's and stuff like that. Right. You know? But but UFC typically is still is, is much more dominant these days, in my opinion. But that being said, the other thing that's really pissing me off is these these celebrity fights, the Jake Pauls, the Logan Pauls. How is that even like a thing? It's the money grab, man. Listen, we all have to thank Mr. Money Man himself, Money Mayweather. He started it, right? He did. He did the, the, the uh, Mayweather-McGregor. It made millions, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. One of the biggest... You know, pay-per-view events of the year, of the decade. Like, it was that type of event. So, from here on out, that's the new model. Everybody's trying. How can we do that? What can we do? All right, let's get Logan Paul and Nate Robinson. Like, who wants to see Logan Paul and Nate Robinson? Then you're like, you know what? Yeah, let's check that out. That might be funny. (laughs) Did you buy it? Did you buy that fight, by the way? Come on, man. You know I paid. Oh, no. I couldn't do it. I had to watch that one. And I had to see. Because he... Tyson and Roy Jones were, like, my favorite fighters growing up. 
All right. It, it was Tyson, Roy Jones, and Lennox Lewis. Like, I, 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 I'll, I'll give you the Tyson part of it because the thing is this. Like, I've seen the Tyson exhibition. I saw that, what, 12 years ago when he fought that one guy with the one eye. I forgot his name. I was a, was a T-Rex or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. I'm like, this is what See, we're paying money watching, for? See, for me, my last time watching Tyson was literally tattoo on his face, getting knocked out by what? It might have been Lennox Lewis. Oh yeah, like like that was like my last like. So for me, I'm like I need to see him again, and then obviously the social media posts have him looking like an absolute killer. So I'm like, yeah, I need to see what that looks like. But then I also was a diehard Roy Jones Jr. fan. I'm talking about I cried as a kid when he got knocked out by Antonio Tarver. Like hurt my heart. Like, I, had, I just couldn't believe it. It was like seeing Superman get hurt, you know? So, for me, when I could find out both of those guys were fighting, I said, I don't care how old they are. They're getting my money. I got to do it. <laughs> I, I, now, you know what? Out of the respect thing, I understand that. Because that's the same thing. Like, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell fought not too long ago. And I go, yeah. I have no interest yeah. in the fight whatsoever. But if you're going to buy that fight, if you're going to buy it, I'm okay with it. Because they deserve it. They, they, they're they, priorities they're, they're of the sport. They're legacy people. Right. Yeah. And and if this whole if Mike Tyson does create some sort of legacy boxing league, I'm okay with it. I'm actually I I would buy into it. They got to figure out a little bit though with the undercard because it wasn't that fantastic. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a Logan Paul guy. I'm not a Jake Paul guy. And I I hated seeing Nate Robinson get knocked out. That pissed me off. And yeah. yeah. Did you did, now, now do you do you train do you train in, in boxing or MMA at all or no? Yeah. So I do. But my thing is this. I tell people all the time, there's a difference between me fooling around with it as a workout versus preparing for an actual fight. Yeah. Like, I don't train to fight. I train to, like, know enough for self-defense, to know enough to get a good workout in and a good sweat, but not enough to go fight a person professionally. Like, that's the difference. And most people know that. Like, most people, when you're in the gym and you see an actual guy who does MMA, you realize, oh, I'm just practicing. I'm playing over here. He's a killer. <laughs> like, you, it just, it's, it's a different, like, you don't even got to talk to you. Just look at their eyes. You can hear how it sounds when they hit the pad versus how you hit the pad. And from there, you know, yeah, I don't really <laughs> want to do this for real. This is fun. The shadow box, this is cool. We'll spar. Don't hit me. I don't hit you. But you're not really trying to do that. Nate just got caught up in the moment. Nate got caught up in the whole, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a Paul, brother. It can't be like that. He can't be that good. Let me go in here, hop in here with him, and we saw how that turned out. And, Arthur, you know you know this better than anybody else if you train in boxing or MMA or anything like that. Part of it is defense, and and it looks like Paul was Nobody just going. like to talk about defense. <laughs> you need defense. You have to have You can't defense. just start trying to throw haymakers, dude. you got to have some sort of defense, man. <sighs> defense. Uh. Head movement. Footwork. Oh, there was I mean, nothing you, there. Snoop, Snoop broke it down. Snoop said, man, this look like your uncle just in the backyard of the cookout just trying to rush each other. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. It, it looked like a guy who only was worried about offense, trying to throw haymakers. And, yeah. Oh, you God. fight against a guy. And think about this. Logan Paul, doesn't. he's not even this, like, crazy trained guy. No. Paul, neither one of them are. But if you go in there and you haven't trained for fighting, that's what it's going to look like. Oh, and now, and now, and now we have the fact that Floyd Mayweather is going to fight which one? He's going to fight Jake? Yeah, he's fighting Jake now. Yeah. And Connor supposedly said he's open to the idea of Logan. Oh, I don't know if I can handle it, dude. I can't watch but, it. But, but I will say this. You know it's going to do crazy numbers. 
Because oh, yes. Was, anytime so, you put a Mayweather or a McGregor in a fight, and then you had those two YouTube sensations. Yeah. That, that, you that, talk that, about cross-promotion, that's the wow. moneymaker right there. That's true. No question. That's And think about the trash talk in both of those matchups, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to sell. It's going to do, you know, just insane. I think that's one of those ones that you would prefer to wait until you can really get a gate, though, that you, that you can have an audience there because that's when you'll really make that killing. You know, that's something that we t- – to talk about that uh, in the Max Holloway fight versus Cater, that was awesome just to hear the, the crowd chanting again. I haven't heard that yeah. in, in a while. It was so good. That's why I'm stoked about this weekend, too, with Connor. It's, it's nice to have uh, uh, the crowd back, man. You miss that. You need that. You need that. No question, man. When the crowd is back out there, man, the energy. I mean, you could just even hear when the broadcast, you listen to D.C. D.C. was hype. You hear that? <laughs> he like, always is, though, dude. Because they can hear the crowd. And it's like, man, something that simple that you don't even think of. But, yeah, yeah, we did miss that. We need that. Yeah. Listen, Arthur Motes to join us right now. Uh, what's the, so the book is Motes Theory of Life. Give me a little breakdown of the book. How did you come about this? Yeah, man. So uh, with my book, I really wanted to create something, man, that was going to help people, something that they could pick up and at any stage of their life, right? Whether they were in high school, whether they were first getting married or whether they were retired, you know, finished up with their career. I wanted to put together something that people could read and understand and ultimately become better people from that. And with my book, man, I really just broke it down into five simple chapters based off my last name. So chapter M, that's the first one, right? Make happiness a priority. I just simply talk about how we have to put ourselves, you know, and our own feelings in front sometimes. We can't always put everyone else there instead of us. Otherwise, you know, your, your candle's going to burn out. You're never going to get that attention that you truly need. Then I go to O, openness yields strength. And I was thinking about as men because typically we don't like to be transparent about our feelings. We like to say that we're always fine. If anything's wrong, no, everything is fine. No, I, don't worry about this. I'm good. We never want to open up and really express how we truly feel. And I felt like, man, when I did that, when I started to open up more, man, the people around me, they started to grow. My relationships started to get a lot better. And I grew as my, a person understanding myself more. So I thought that that was important to put in there. Then the next chapter was A, talking about actively seeking to inspire people. When you look and find ways to inspire people, man, you find ways to pay it forward. It's just an awesome feeling because you know that, man, this could be the difference. This could be the, the reason why this person is a successful person in life versus, you know, them taking the alternative route solely because you went out there and seek being an inspiration to this person. You wanted to sow a seed in somebody. So I talked about that because that's something that I, I feel is very important in my life. If somebody didn't do that for me, I wouldn't be here. And then after that, I talked about team, turning fear into focus. A lot of people have that fear of failure. The the paralysis by analysis. Oh man, I'm not going to be good enough. I can't do this. And you never take a chance. But if you take that fear and you put it behind you and use it as a pushing, a a motivating tool, man, you will really be able to take that leap and ultimately reach your full potential. So that's why I put that in there. And then the last chapter was S, smile. And then I break it down into spread my inner love everywhere because I genuinely feel that people at the core of us are genuinely good people. Now, we might have bad actions. We might have, you know, different things that we do that aren't the best. But at the core of us, the root of us, I feel like everyone is genuinely a good person. And when you smile at somebody, just think about how contagious it is. 
just think about how if I smile at you, you're going to smile back. It's going to make you feel better regardless of what's going on, regardless of the situation and circumstances. So that's why I talk about it, because that's something that was very important to me. And it's something that I try to do all the time. Just smile, because you never know what somebody might be going through, but they see you smiling all of a sudden everything is okay. They, they feel like they can go on another day. So yeah, man, that's the gist of the book, man. But I was really, you know, just happy to create something like this that can, like I said, then just go out there and have a positive impact. And not for nothing, what, what's going on today in this world, it's been, it's been crazy, a pandemic, struggles everywhere. This is the type of book that people really could use and benefit from. So thank you very much for, for, for writing that and coming up with that and, and sharing with the people. Where, where, could, where could they find it out of cursory? Yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. They can find it at motstheory.com. So just my last name, M-O-A-T-S, theory.com. You're a former Buffalo Bill. Yes, indeed. And <laughs> and they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, there, is this, there is this thing called the Bills Mafia. When yes, you indeed. were in Buffalo, was it this <laughs> dynamic? Was Bills Mafia that big of a deal back then or no? Absolutely. Listen, I was a part of the the uh, uh, the initial stages of Bills Mafia when they were first coming about, man. I remember the them trying to get the trademarks for the name and how people at first were like, man, Mafia sounds menacing. We can't get behind this. And then it got to growing even bigger and bigger, and now you see what it is today. Listen, man, love Bills Mafia. Love them, man, because – they are so genuine and so passionate up there. It, it, it's just so passionate about the team up there. It's crazy, man. And I'm just really happy to see them being able to experience this type of success now. And, and do you see, I mean, right now with Patrick Mahomes possibly being out, we're still not sure yet. Where do you see this Buffalo Bills? How do you see them performing this weekend? Do you think that they that they, with Mahomes not being available is definitely a, a great opportunity for the Bills to win? Listen, I got the Bills winning regardless if Mahomes plays or not. Wow. Okay? Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs are going to show up in a big-time way. Defensively, Trey White is going to do what he does best. And you already know the safety tandem of Michael Hyde and Jordan Poirier. They're going to ball out, baby. I'm excited. And we can't forget Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano, man. I feel like they're the best linebacking duo right up there with KJ uh, with KJ Wright and um, Bobby Wagner. I feel like those two guys are right up there with them as well, man. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I think Bills get it done regardless of if Mahomes is out there or not. My son will be very happy. He's a big Bills fan. So. There we go. <laughs> and, and one more question. <laughs> one more question, too, because you did play with Ben Roethlisberger on the, on the Steelers. Yes, indeed. This, this could be his last season. What do you think? Do you think he hangs him up after this year? Man, that's the question that we're all trying to figure out right now. Uh, we talked about would he hang it up after this season that just passed. Obviously, he's uh, fully indicated that he would love to return. To me, I do think he he will have one left, but I don't I don't think anything after that. Honestly, man, I don't see this being a two or three scenario. I think it's it's last ride type Jordan. You know, think that type of scenario right here. And if it's not if Roethlisberger doesn't play this year. Who is the best potential quarterback for that Steelers offense? Who do you think? Because there's going to be a lot of available players. There's obviously well, 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 this Deshaun Watson. From from my reports, I, be, I believe we just signed Dwayne Haskins. So oh yes, you're right. You're if right. That was the case, if that was the case, I'm gonna roll with Dwayne Haskins because he has pedigree. Top 15 pick. I understand the situation in Washington wasn't the best. I mean, obviously he got caught between a regime change as well, so that's never going to be a good situation. But for me, I just think that that's too intriguing to not allow 
to get that opportunity if Ben were not to return next year. So Arthur Moats is, is riding with, with Dwayne Haskins. All right, man. I, I, listen, I, I, I like it. It's awesome. Listen, Art, you were fantastic. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, let's do this again whenever you want. You're more than welcome to come back, and let's just talk MMA and whatever else, man. No doubt, man. Definitely got to do that, and I appreciate you again, man. And, and tell, tell everyone where they can follow you at on Twitter. Oh, yes, indeed. On Twitter, at TheBody52. And then I'm on YouTube. Just type in Arthur Motes, and it'll pop right up. Arthur, thank you so much for the time, man. Be safe, brother. No doubt. You too. Well, that was a lot of fun. I got to be honest, that was probably one of the most uh, energetic MMA conversations I've had in quite some time. Um, that wasn't a friend of mine. So that was really cool. Uh, and and Arthur Motes uh, will be welcome back to the show any point in time and would love to talk more about any other fight. And I'd love to sit down and watch a fight with him. That's, that's the thing. I just want to sit down and watch fights with these guys and just, just break it down, which is what I'm going to do, by the way. This Saturday, I am going to sit there with my microphone on, and I am going to... I'm not going to stream it live, but I will have a live reaction of the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight, and then I will will put that out there as soon as it's... Uh, as soon as I could edit it and put it up, it will be out there. So hopefully a few minutes after the fight's over. But so get ready for that. That will be my my reaction. Uh, my instant reaction will be a live reaction, or 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 taped reaction, I could say, but of a live event that will happen on um, on Saturday. So we're gonna pick the fights here. I pick every single fight. If you follow me at the Hoff WFAN, you will see every single pick I make. The first card went five for five. This past week, I went. I had. I think I want to say I was nine and five. There was fourteen fights. I'm pretty sure it was nine and five. At the very least, I was eight and six. But I think it was nine and five. I crushed the prelims. Main card was a little bit iffy, and and you know, seriously, you just sometimes you just can't make it up. Sometimes you just. It's sometimes it's get it's not guesswork, but sometimes you you don't know how these things are going to play out. We we talked about with Arthur Motes. You think all oh, these two fighters are the best wrestlers in the world, and they stand for three three to five rounds. Just you just can't predict MMA. You don't know what what their approach is. You don't know how they're going to change their game plans to the fighters that are attached to them that night. So here it is, folks. UFC 257 lightweight bout: Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. How's it going to go? We know how Conor McGregor wants it to go. Conor McGregor wants this fight to be as quick as possible. That is his game plan. That is what he wants to do. If you look through all of his fights, it doesn't make a difference. Um, Every single fight that he finishes, it's in within two rounds. That's the way it goes. Very, very rarely do you see it go three, four, five rounds. If it does, it's not usually in his favor. Khabib went to the fourth round, did not go his way. The Nate Diaz fight, the second fight, did go five rounds, and he did win a decision, but that was a tough one, and it was a toss-up. It was not as dominant as Conor McGregor would have liked it to have been. We've seen it over and over and over. Conor goes in to punish his opponent as quick as possible. And he is creative with his strikes. And he has, and he is as precise with his strikes that he can finish them very quickly. But Dustin Poirier is not the Dustin Poirier that we saw years prior. And we've talked about it. He has dominated some amazing opponents. He beat Eddie Alvarez. 
Dan Hooker, Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway. We just talked about how good Max Holloway looked the other day. Dustin Poirier made him look silly in the light, lightweight division. Dustin has has definitely figured something out in this lightweight division. He's found ways to finish his opponents, but also can go the distance if he needs to. He can go the five rounds. Connor doesn't like to be there. The way that Connor is going to win this fight is going to be simple. It's gonna. He says that he's open to to a, a classic fight with Dustin. He doesn't want that. He wants this fight over in a minute, two minutes, first round. He wants it done. Dustin Poirier is going to keep distance. He's going to slow it down. He's not going to engage too quick. He's not going to be baited into a quick finish like his previous fight. And that is the growth of Dustin Poirier. Connor's one of the best counter punchers around. He's quick. He's got power. Again, Dustin Poirier has said the most powerful striker he's ever faced. Dustin has improved so much. It's not the same Dustin Poirier. This fight will go the distance, and Dustin Poirier will win, which will set up a great trilogy between him and Conor McGregor. I don't see this being a fight that Khabib Nurmagomedov is going to look at and say, I need to I need to face the winner because he just beat Dustin Poirier. He just beat Conor McGregor. He beat Justin Gaethje. I, I don't think there's anything right now that's really getting Khabib back into the cage anytime soon. It's going to be a classic. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a great fight. Not enough to get Khabib back in the cage, but Dustin Poirier is going to win. And again, folks, you look at these odds. You look at Conor McGregor, minus 340. There's zero respect for Dustin Poirier, who has worked his tail off in the cage over the past few years. Conor McGregor has been very, very, his fights are few and far between. Dustin has stayed active. He doesn't fight once a year. He fights two, three times a year. He's put himself in wars. He's put himself up. He's tested himself up against the toughest opponents. Yes, Connor hits hard, but so does Justin Gaethje. Now, MMA math, we know there's no such thing as MMA math, so this could all be... A quick 60-second fight goes Connor's way, lands a, a good punch, lands something that's unexpected, which Connor is creative with that, with his with his striking. But I think Dustin Poirier pulls it out, decision, and an upset, which is an upset to the casual because to the MMA fan, the non-casual, you know how good Dustin Poirier is. For the rest of my picks, follow me at the Hoff WFAN 
on Twitter. Also, the Fight Fan WFAN on Twitter. I put the whole fight card out there. I'm going to have a picture up. I circle my fights. I even put some hearts around some of my favorite ones. So you just follow that at the Hoff WFAN and at the Fight Fan WFAN as well. So follow me. I will post them Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon before the fights, and I'll get all my picks out there. Thank you to Sean Patrick Flannery, born a champion out right now, digital platform, select theaters, and then DVD Blu-ray out January 26th. And also thank you to Arthur Moats, his book, Moats Theory of Life, also available right now. Don't forget to check me out tomorrow night after the fights. I will give you a live reaction of UFC 257, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 2. Live reaction will be posted as soon as the fight's over. I will put it up. Just check that out as well. And then next Friday, we will be back again with more guests and more UFC MMA conversation. Thank you again for checking us out. This is The Fight Club. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.